You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Tell me it's Monday without telling me it's Monday. Well, this is round two of us recording the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> okay. Man, we were having such a good – actually, it was really terrible. You guys missed a it's, – it's a good thing that happened because we started off to like the worst beginning of Uncensored forever. I actually introduced us as the No Low Ballers podcast. That's that's how bad it was. So Is everything welcome, recording now? We are. Yeah, right. we're good. So welcome to an episode of Uncensored. And uh, on, this this episode is brought to you by Gunbroker and our partners of No Low Ballers. So that's where my head was at. We did so many No Low Ballers at SHOT Show that I got a, I kicked us off last time on the wrong podcast because I just I, like after hearing Logan say it 35 times I think we or was it 36 shows we did 36 36 shows actually though uh, those are starting to come out so is the 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 big one the one of the big ones we had a lot of big guests but have we launched the the big one yet yep so when this comes out the episode for Donald Trump Jr. will have already dropped yeah and uh, was who is, a, who's that. Uh, so what is up well, with your mic? Your guy. mic is like almost in your eyeball. <laughs> Boy. No, I like you. <laughs> no, she, oh my God. No touching. <laughs> Who was that? Who brought her? Um, the so so Donald Trump Jr. is the publisher of Field Ethos. That's also a joke. I know who he is. No, I'm, I'm telling the audience. I know, Erica, but this I was is like, a podcast. I, There's people listening. It's I not know, just me but, talking to you. But we go on TikTok, and I'm afraid that people are going to be like this. Oh, that'll be the clip. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, some. I mean, that 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 is one of the interesting thing about him. The guy's very polarizing. Like you either love or hate mm-hmm. Donald. Like you, people do not fall into this gray area with him, or at least a lot of people don't. You know what's and, funny about that? Oh, just quick point on that. I bought a fly fishing book about fishing streamers by George Daniels, and. The foreword of this book was done by Donald Trump Jr., big angler, big fly fisherman. Hmm. There were people just ripping into that as, like, critique of the book. How could you ever let – like, you had me until that forward. It's like, 
Well, when you listen, well, they, you we didn't have book. you very long then because the yeah. forward is literally. And you listen, well, they bought this forty dollar book. <laughs> yeah, and look at it. They're like, oh, this is garbage now. Yeah, yeah and you listen to the podcast, and you said it was pretty good. Oh, it's it's very entertaining. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, there's nothing. I don't think there's anything polarizing in it, other than at one point he kind of makes it seem like he grew up. And every man, un, like unprivileged, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's great. It's it's good conversation. But but with Phil Ethos, you know, with a lot of the content they're doing is really good. I would put yeah. it. I mean, it's it's and some of the stories I've read are better than some of the other outdoor publications that have been doing it for a long time. I think. I mean, they they've got some really great talent. We were mm-hmm. talking to Brandon Butler uh, at Shot Show, who is a distinguished writer. I mean, the guys. Um, with Driftwood Acres, if you haven't read his column, syndicated across, I don't know, 20, 30 newspapers. Um, and Brandon was giving him high praise for the team he's brought in. But anyways, that show just launched, so go check out No Low Ballers. That's our collaborative podcast with Gunbroker. And uh, to make sure you check out Gunbroker if you're looking for a shotgun for turkey season. you got plenty of time to get that. Uh, well, I guess you do if you're – some of the southern states of the youth seasons, I believe, have already kicked off. But oh, yeah, in February. You can get after it. You can get it shipped to your local FFL. It's super easy. Uh, go check that out and check out the No Low Ballers episode we're talking about. All right, I have something. I actually, you guys were making fun of me for bringing notes to Uncensored, although my notes are literally a torn envelope, envelope, however you say it. Yeah, I tried to peek um, at them. I can't yeah, read it's, your handwriting. I, you know, I'm so unpracticed at writing these days. I literally, you know, it's kind of illegible. You know, it's um, funny. I go to do cursive, and it's way cleaner than my. Yeah, handprint. Yeah, that's it's awful. That's mine. Mine is chicken scratch. But I, I was kind of, before we started the show. I was reading about something. I was like, man, this would be an interesting conversation for uncensored. There, um, I go to sportsmansalliance.org looking at their news section because it's always a good like you can quickly kind of see what the temperament is within the industry: shooting sports, or trapping, hunting, fishing. And I keep seeing credit card, credit card, credit card, and I, I had a pretty good idea what it was about. But it's interesting conversation for this show because I think a lot of people don't know this is happening yet, and there are uh, there are proponents of adding a merchant code, which is how the credit card company kind of knows what you're spending on. If you're a bank, you ever see your bank, or, or you have these services that can like estimate that you spent this much on food, this much on groceries, this much on entertainment. They're pulling that from that merchant code, so that's telling them what kind of business you purchase from so gas stations whatever it is you know um the challenge with with this is that uh those codes are not always accurate right like your local grocery store you could buy patio furniture from so the the that's the challenge with it but these what's happening is there the new york attorney general um, along with california and a couple others are pushing for these merchant codes for firearm retailers and so they want to be able to track that you bought a gun problem is I could go to Bass Pro, I could go to KY Gunco next door, I can go wherever uh, to these firearms retailers and I could buy, you know, a $7,000 gun safe. And the, there's no way from that merchant code to know if that was a $7,000 gun safe or $7,000 for a Daniel Defense and ammunition or whatever it is, you know, there's no way. And so the opponents of this are saying like, hey, this is, there's, well, A, that's privacy, right? Just from a privacy perspective, you have no right to be able to track these firearm purchases. B, you can't do it anyways. There's no way, right? Like, there's no way you could accurately track this. But it was in, the interesting thing for what I was looking at, um, you know, Indiana, New Hampshire, and Utah are states that are already getting ahead of this and saying, hey, when this comes out, we're not doing it. You're, you're not going to be allowed to use these codes in our states. So you're seeing really rapidly states are 
trying to combat this. Uh, there's a lot of bills being introduced right now that Sportsman's Alliance is tracking that are going does, to impact firearm owners. How does that uh, – so Utah – outlaws that but how does that get tracked on online retailers if you're i don't know purchasing online i don't know um i would imagine they tie it to where the state ha- like similar to taxes it's probably similar to, to the nexus because yeah, the store chooses what they want to be called with the with the when they sign up for you know an, an account um so now it's like sporting goods but right, it's going to be it could another. be sporting goods it could be whatever and i think what the states are doing is they're making a law where it says if you make more than 50% of your profits from firearm sales and you do not tell the credit card company that you are a firearm merchant, you try to say you're just sporting goods, then the state would fine you, you know, or whatever. So you could still, you know, claim yourself when you're signing up for a business account as whatever you want. The states are just saying. I thought those came from your tax code. Do they not tie back to your tax code, which is no? Because, I mean, think about setting up, if you're brand new starting up a, I mean, yes, you might, in your tax, depending on the state, you might define when you're setting up your taxes or your state business license, what you are. I think it's your federal tax ID. Yeah. The, the but still, you're, whoever's starting the business decides what they want to be classified yeah. as. Regardless, the way they want to use this is crazy. Uh, the The New York Attorney General wants to track data for mass shootings and gun trafficking. But see, I don't know from those codes how you can. That's that's the thing about this is um, after you talked about it, I, I pulled up a couple articles and read on it. You mean after we did the first version of this? Yes, thirty <laughs> seconds ago, I looked at my phone and read an article, and this is what I'm going to tell you about it. Um, no, but it was basically saying they wanted to use this information, the merchant tags, to um, find and flag suspicious activity for guns and ammo. However, it would not disclose what they bought. It would disclose um, the amount of money it was. So you could go to Bass Pro and buy a $12,000 boat or however much money they Mm -hmm. are, and it'd be like, okay, you just bought $12,000 worth of firearms and ammo. Like, what are they doing with this? And I, then that's my question. Is this is how, like there's no way to distinguish. Yeah. When Erica's getting all of her meth ingredients, she knows to <laughs> yeah. go stop at multiple stores, and you don't buy all the ingredients at one store. We've all seen Breaking Bad, Dan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then also, doesn't this um, probably just the local guy, like the small shop, doesn't that just kind of hit them more? Because you know. Like all these bigger shops, like Walmart and Bass Pro, they're gonna like not yeah. get the merchant tag, right? But it these may not smaller be the shops, higher percentage of what they're selling, like it would be in right. a local shop. But then the smaller shops are gonna be like, well, we just got hit. But then what are you doing with the data of like you may or may not went to a firearm shop and you bought this amount of money? Like how does that really connect to flagging a suspicious purchase? I mean, we know, we know how slow the government works in general, and it, so they're going to flag somebody, and then what are they going to send agents to somebody's house? Never, they will like never it, do an investigation. The goal no of this sense. legislation is to incentivize credit card companies to decline purchases coming from um, play, firearm retailers. So when you try to run your card, it'll get declined because Amex is afraid that they'll get sued if – they finance the gun if they allow someone to purchase a gun and it's used in a bad way later. I think I, I, I'm getting into it. I, I think I read when I was reading about this that some of the credit cards are, companies are saying they're not going to track this regardless. 
I like that so, they, because then they can say like some of them are, but if they're forced to by the government, well, yeah, if they get forced to, but I think they're they're already getting ahead of it and saying like, hey, we're not tracking this. I mean, like, we uh, don't even want to. We don't want to know. <laughs> it's, it's. I think I'm, I'm again. I know we do this all the time where we. Yeah, it's very similar to, you know, states that have legal medical marijuana and they're not allowed to use traditional banking because their banks are worried that mm-hmm. all of a sudden the federal government's going to crack down on it, and so they're dealing in all cash. And they have to have private security. And you know what is a better target than a store full of cash and pot? It's a store full of cash and guns. So it'll just increase crime. And the only people that would be getting guns would be getting them in illegal ways because they can't get them the legal way easily. And and like I said on our previous podcast that we weren't recording, um, you know, this is, to me, it's no different than... You know, a credit card saying you can't subscribe to the New York Times because they're too left, and that'd be a First Amendment right thing. You can't, you know, donate to a certain church. That'd be an abuse of your religious freedom. This is a constitutional right. You're doing nothing illegal. The government shouldn't be able to make it harder for you to exercise your rights, in my opinion. I just don't understand people who... Or of the govern me daddy mindset. Like, I just don't, <laughs> I don't want more. Yeah, no. it's people who would never buy a gun. Yeah. Who are like, oh, yeah, I, I don't need a gun, so why would I, you know, I don't care about this. And if they're telling me it'll make the streets safe or whatever, and then all of a sudden something happens and you need a gun, and now you're like, you're screwed. You can't yeah. you can't get it. Um, so it's but frustrating. The only way that I see that this could work is if like someone is like hopping from like a firearm place to firearm place and just like buying like 500 here 3,000 here 500 there like whatever but but what is wrong with that i'm not i'm not saying that there is anything wrong with it but then they're like flagging it but also like is that not why that we you have to like run the check when you're purchasing a firearm the in the first place, check. right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And, like, and should that not to, send off a flag? What if somebody's getting ready to go out west and they're going around to a bunch of different stores and they have because they can't find everything they need that day? Yep. You know, it's like you could easily get flagged, and now your yeah. your credit card dies. You get flagged. You can't use it. Your trip leave. You leave in the morning, and like, how screwed are you? You know, it's like that would suck. The yeah. other thing the ATF is trying to do is they are trying to pass a law where if you sell a gun with the goal to make a profit knowing that you will make a profit off of that gun sale, you have to have an FFL, which means if I was going to sell you a gun and I was going to sell it to you for more than I paid for it because I got a deal on it, I would have to have an FFL, which is functionally like a universal background check. Yeah. If If you're at a gun show... You know, you go to a local gun well, show. Well, that might be where that's coming from because they're trying to crack down on gun shows more in general. Yeah, but you, you know, your granddad died and you have, you know, two old shotguns in your truck that you got for free. And someone at the gun show is like, oh, I love those guns. I like to buy one or a dealer. You know, you go up to someone's booth and it's like, hey, you deal with old shotguns. I've got two old shotguns for my granddad. Can't sell it to him without an FFL. Any of this stuff just breeds more crime. Yep. Well, you really think about it. So now people are just going to blatantly break. Blatantly yeah, all break the statistics. Law. I mean, any statistics you look at as far as if you make it harder to do things legally, more people do it illegally. And that's, you know, the argument you have with drugs, with abortion, with anything. It's the harder you make it to do it legally, the more people are going to do it illegally. And for a society, that's generally worse. 
Oh, Dan, that was mighty depressing. So, <laughs> sorry. Um, did you all get out this weekend? Uh, we did some hiking. It was honestly beautiful weather, sunny. As Erica and I have discussed in the office, it's been depressing. My wife was ex- having an extreme case of uh, the the winter was it winter blues or yeah. She was ready to get outside. It was nice out this weekend. Yeah, so it was like in the fifties here. So we got outside two days and i did a trail race which was um one i'm running through this course and i'm like i would love to go here and shoot a deer because there's all these nice mm. funnels and uh really cool trail race and then took the kids hiking so where was your race at uh jefferson memorial forest mm. yeah like a real race or you were just no, like not running? a competitive race oh. i mean it was just for fun there were other people there Yep, there were other people there. <laughs> I didn't know if you were like. <laughs> <laughs> just up on the starting line by myself. Just it reminds me, my, I came in first place. How many like, other people were there? No I also one came in last. It was crazy. <laughs> no, yeah. listen. I thought that, you know, like on Super Mario, you can like race against a ghost. the ghost. So yeah. I was like, maybe he was just racing against himself. Nope. It was real people. <laughs> uh, actually, a very, very fun race. It, the What's cool about the trail racing community, and not to disparage like road racing or even cycling, uh, the trail running community is very warm, welcoming, out to have fun, joking around with each other, helping each other. Um, I've been part of other situations and other races that hasn't been as as fun and relaxed. Um, But what was cool is that they let dogs run this race with people. So oh, there were just cool. guy come in behind me like five minutes after me with a golden retriever and um, it's uh, on single track trail. So there's a lot of people that have to like slow walk up. Some of them were very steep. People were walking in general. Mm. So it, this is not, it wasn't super competitive. If you were going to be competitive, you need to be on the front line to try to get did out. Did they of wave you guys? Like, did you go out and waves? No. no mass start. Yeah. That's the only bad thing about the dogs. Did they have to start in the back? Uh, I didn't notice them at the start. Yeah. Because so there wasn't a lot of people yeah. that had them. Um, but you got some people. So the, the race was six miles, 15 miles, and then 32 miles, <gasps> I think, was the highest. It was some 50K or some, whatever it is. And so everybody starts together. Um, pe- some people have trekking poles because they're doing the full long thing. And it was It was fun. How Good long time. did you do? I did the six miles, but I texted Brad afterwards and I was like, after finishing that, I, I finished the race with more gas. And so I totally could have done the 15 or even 10 more because the, the sections where it was really steep and people were just hiking up the hills and stuff, you really kind of gained a little bit back. You didn't overextend yourself. So there was benefits and drawbacks to it being a crowded race that you kind of save some energy. But I hated waiting because I'm impatient. But it was fun. Did you get out? Um, yeah, not really. We we went to like a park that we had not been before and went on a little like trail walk. And then it was along a creek. And so t- um, my son was like, can we go fishing here? And I was like, number one, we don't. We, I, we came here to walk and I didn't bring fishing poles, but we can certainly come back. And he was like, I am where we thought would be a good spot. And what? there's like a little bridge and stuff. What creek is it? Indian Creek. Is that, isn't that the creek that you all went to and floated? Just another section? In Indiana? 
Yeah. We went to one in Indiana. I don't think it was called Indian Creek. I can't remember, though. Mm. What city was it in? I suspect it was. It's out toward Corden, right? It's in Corden. Yeah. 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 Okay. Then, yeah, Yeah. we did do that. Yeah. When I say creek, it's like a larger creek. There's supposed to be good smallmouth in it. Yeah. Oh, we didn't see any. And there was a huge section. It was like, it was was weird because it was like, uh, uh, the bottom was like bedrock. And there's this huge section where, and there's all these houses along the creek. And there's this huge section, and it's only like a foot deep. And the bottom is just straight up bedrock. And it's fast moving water. It's stripped any, no soil can, can be there. So you could throw a treble hook lure, and it's just bouncing along the rocks, mm-hmm. not hooking into anything. And I had a little, um, mini diving like one foot diving little tiny crankbait and i was just casting and i could see fish chasing chasing it but we're just moving too quick i guess and hmm. couldn't get any bites do you know where he's talking about no you'll have to show me later so that bedrock as it starts to get sunny and warm up and the water's colder that shallow bedrock area would be good i wonder like in the park we were at i wonder how many people like fish it all the time though I don't like know. There was a, there was a fish. decent amount. It was a typical go wild fishing trip where half the people's gear broke and <laughs> that no was one caught one anything. Didn't break, get caught in a tree. You'd have to like pull all the line off of. Yeah, and one. so they were like just waiting at the put out for an hour for for I think Derek and I. Wait, to catch is this up. the one where he got like something wrapped around his hand and he almost? Yeah, I it. think so. Yeah, I think his boat was at jeopardy of flipping because he was stuck in a tree sideways. <laughs> yeah. <Huh. laughs> yeah, I didn't get it from that, but. It was fast moving water. Okay. But yeah. I'm pretty sure it was in Indian Creek. It could have been. We went to a nice brewery that was like at a rail station and that was right next to the creek. Anyways. Mm-hmm. I didn't do anything fun. Cleaned out my garage. I got all my hunting stuff out of my garage. Now it's in my basement and I've got like a whole other day I'll have to go down there and sort that out. And I'm like, well, I don't have anywhere to turkey hunt at this point. So I might just do like a full deep clean, get everything sorted away. And, and then. What happened to your. Uh, it's the same spot I lost last year. Oh, okay. So I'm I'm going to text that guy and see if anybody's out there this spring. But if you lease it, normally you have it for the year. So I don't know when that guy's lease started. Um, but I'm going to check on it. But as mm-hmm. of right now, i got no turkey spots. I might go down to southeastern Kentucky. There there are a good amount of turkeys down there. In fact, when a car died and I had to walk off that mountain at daybreak, when I finally got like three and a half miles down, I was hearing turkey. Coyotes were, were howling, and they were setting off these gobblers, and I heard like eight of them. I mean, all the way down the ridge. Um, but I've got a few spots that I'd like to go try out, and I don't think I don't think it'd be as competitive down there for turkeys as it is for deer. You need to do Taylorsville with us. Jacob, you need to come back to it too. Where I went. Was that hunt- public? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I went, did my deer hunt there, uh, I was in this spot that was kind of secluded, uh, and I was up in the tree, and I saw a group of six or seven turkeys probably just off in the woods. I made a mental note, and I'm going to come back here in the spring. See, that's the thing about public hunting and turkeys is that I swear I'll shoot somebody by accident. Like, I mean, I know, oh, like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm, but, like, how do you know that it's not, like, someone else calling, and you're just, like, basically calling back to another human? I'm pretty sure we hunted a guy for a little bit last year. But yeah. you just go until you – you stop calling or they stop calling or you see each other <laughs> yeah i mean, I mean i'm know. never gonna pull the trigger and and like not like if i'll see the turkey i'm not gonna shoot a human yeah i mean the deer real, hunting the area is a lot sketchier it, if you're yelping really? back and forth and it sounds like you yelping at yourself it's probably another person uh, there was a 
I, I did that on private. I mean, it can happen on private too. I, I, there was, I finally got to where I realized it was a, a person cause it was coming from this barn and it was just, uh, when I stopped, it was every five minutes. So they were like mm-hmm. watching and waiting a timer and it was the same. It was like terrible. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I figured out it was, it was a hunter. So, um, but I might go down and, I mean, there's a ton of land down there to explore. So I might go down for a weekend, see my parents and put in some turkey, turkey hours. Yeah, we got to do something. Braden says he's going to buy a Kentucky turkey tag this year. So what um, is that? How much is that? I don't know. Probably I looked a up a hundred bucks. Yeah, I looked up Indiana. And it was like two hundred dollars or something. It's like that's a little bit more than I'm willing to pay to kill a bird. Yeah, I looked up. Um, so my brother, he lived in Indiana. We are from Indiana, but then he now has moved over the river to Louisville, and he was like, "Oh, I'll come hunting deer." And I was like, "Homie, you turned your license. You can't be doing that." And he was like, "Oh, yeah, that's right." And so we looked it up to see how, like, just a a buck tag was and it was like 500 some odd dollars yeah. for non-residential wow which i thought was that's crazy a lot but yeah i'm gearing up i didn't do anything this weekend but i got a bow coming a new bow first bow excited for that got all the gear going on with that i bought one of jacob's old fishing rods bait caster and reel and reel what bow did you get uh, the legend, no, the legend, legend XR. yeah, the legend XR from bear, from bear. It's honestly the smoothest shooting bow I've drawn. Oh, you have one? Mm, no, but I shot it when we went to ATA and he was oh. trying some out. What draw length did you get? Eight. 31 <laughs> inches, I think is what the max is out at. I'm not sure. I'm I'm still learning. I got a lot of reading to do on everything. I I've got some. Dan's gonna pull that thirty-one. And he's gonna be like <laughs> hovering over his. Yeah. I mean, shoulder. it seemed fine at ATA. It seemed they okay. didn't adjust it, so yeah. I'm assuming he's probably you got a like couple more inches to LeBron go. LeBron James. I, his wingspan's crazy. Yeah, I went to a tailor once. I think I've told this story before. I went to a tailor once. And I said, uh, "These sleeves are too short on this jacket." And he goes, "No, your arms are too long." <laughs> <laughs> Because you do not have normal arms. <laughs> um, but um, that's why I always wear my sleeves rolled up. Do you have to put your... They don't reach. Because they don't reach. Do you have to put, like, your scope, like, massively forward on your gun so you don't... No. That, that Does that make... No. no. I'm okay being kind of scrunched up a little bit. Like, when I drive my truck, I have my knees almost touching the dash, which is weird for a lot of people. I do, too, but that's just because I'm... Mammal. Yeah. Um, but no, we're gearing up. We got our solar binoculars and solar glasses for the solar eclipse coming up. Did you? Are you booking in the same campground? I, I don't know. It's going to be touch and go until that weekend, just because we're going to be in Georgia that week before. So yeah. We may just like squat in her front yard at the campsite. Yeah, we'll probably because s- you're there the day before, right? The solar eclipse is on Monday, and that Friday is my birthday, so. We're camping Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then uh, we're going to leave Tuesday because they're talking about how the traffic is going to be so bad. It was the the last solar eclipse. It was literally we were driving. We were in um, southern Illinois, Carbondale, and we were driving through these towns. I mean, it was thousands of people. We were at Garden of the Gods State Park. and we were driving through these small towns that had, like, one stoplight. And that one stoplight would just back up traffic, you know, nonstop. 
uh, and you'd go through these small towns, and literally everyone would be out on their porch because they've never seen some. It was like a parade for them. Like every house you went by, they're just like, I've never seen this many cars really? before in my People life. also just sit on their porches a lot in small towns. True, but this was literally. You thought it was for you, yeah. and they were just like. There's I mean, a reason they leave couches. Because, I mean, literally, porch. we were going through areas that didn't have the solar eclipse. Probably people didn't know that the solar eclipse yeah. was going on. And they. it looked like those scenes from like apocalypse movies where like the meteors coming and like you know just as cars everywhere on both sides of the the road uh so people probably thought like what is going on you know why are there why is there so much traffic is there a tsunami coming or they did know about the eclipse and then saw the line of traffic and they thought the world is ending it's coming through that was my favorite scene in uh apocalypto you remember that movie no it was about the mayans or the ink the mayans and, you know, they knew uh, the the solar um, patterns and knew when an eclipse would come and they would do human sacrifices up on the pyramids for crops or whatever. So, like, the high priest knew that there was going to be an eclipse that day. And he's like, we're going to sacrifice this virgin. And he's, like, watching. And, like, as soon as that sacrifice at the eclipse happens and all of the, everyone's like, oh, my goodness, the gods are speaking to us. And he's just like, yeah. Tecumseh did the same. Not yeah. sacrificially. But yeah. Did a, a foretelling based on an eclipse, too. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you wow. giving me that look? That was a give me a nerd look, like I'm no, a nerd. You are a nerd. It is nerd. I mean, it's, it's nerdy, it's, but it's, it's cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm, okay. I did. There was a podcast many months ago where Dan started talking about the eclipse, and, and I was you like, all "You are a dummy." <laughs> and then I started. Oh, I wasn't giving him the face over the eclipse. It, it's his movies that he comes. Uh, he always okay, has okay. like a. Have you seen Apocalypse this movie though. from 1979 that was directed by was a big movie. Mel, Mel Gibson? Directed Apocalypto. <laughs> Well, <laughs> says a lot. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, everyone was ragging on me. And yeah. it was the same thing, I will say, with my tactical lever action. And then Sean Did, Show, You know what? Who was ragging on that? I don't think uh, anybody everybody. ragged on it. Everybody was like, this is weird. Because yeah. I, I had never, It'd like, right at the, when you, you did it like two years before, and now, two years I, ago, I, right? I, yeah, but I've it? had that gun for a decade. No, I'm just saying, yeah. like you, you like, yeah, yeah, came out it out and everything. But You're then, just a trendsetter. I yeah, I'm just this year at Shot Show, the the lever action guns were all, all the rage. Yeah, what's everyone. your hot tip? What what what's coming up in in two years? What's coming up in two years? Like, what do you have uh, now? Uh, I think the I think the hot thing is going to be, you know, I'm looking at this Springfield Echelon, and the new Sig P320. Also has these things where they're serializing the fire control group, which is like the hammer and the trigger, and it's like a little metal chassis that sits inside the plastic gun. So that's what's serialized. So you can take it out and put it in a full-size gun. You could take it by a mm-hmm. separate grip for a, a compact or a, a carry gun, use different barrels, and mix and match. So it's almost like having a suppressor where you're registering the suppressor and then you can put the suppressor on many different guns. This you could have many different grips and you just pop out the trigger assembly and set it into a new grip, you know, so you could have a grip that a large grip for me and my wife could have a medium grip or a small grip. And, you know, depending on, you know, what you're doing with it, if you're going to the range, you might want a a five inch barrel. If you're carrying it, you might want a three inch barrel. So I think that's going to be the new thing. I think everyone's going to start, uh, serializing the fire control groups in the handguns instead of the chassis of the handgun itself. Yeah, because that's my hot tip. There's a lot of custom slides and stuff like that being done too, ported. Yeah, when we were at at Vegas, um, when we were playing craps, 
these guys from oh, yeah. Shadow Systems were always uh, at the craps table and just taking all of our money. <laughs> Dude, they're but in academy. I, I they're think I in sent you that link. Like they're, they're I didn't realize time. they were big like that. And really, they're just Glock clones, and they just kind of up, kind of like um, an aftermarket. They started out as aftermarket slides and stuff for Glocks, and then they're like, we'll just start making our own kind of improved Glock. Um, but as far as I know, they're just they use Glock mags, and they're you know grip angles the same as a Glock. So there's Shadow Systems and Zev, Zev something. Um, but there's a lot of companies that are that are um, just kind of taking a, a standard gun and modifying it. Before we wrap, I have one one little bit of trivia for you guys. Okay. So this weekend, yes, it was the Grammys, but. There was a, a a milestone or an anniversary, if you will, of um, Buddy Holly died. So you know the story of Buddy Holly dying. You've probably seen the movie, Dan. Uh, the Brad read a document or is reading a book on Buddy Holly. No, I read one on Jerry Lee, Jerry Lee Lewis. Lewis. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but I must disparage. He's just Holly. like yeah, old music's old music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Buddy Holly is a little bit uh, right at the start of Jerry Lee Lewis's career. Your time frame was right. But anyway, so Buddy Holly is exploding. And um, this is right Literally. as. Literally? Well, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that's, that, that's unfortunate. <laughs> uh, but no, his career was taken off. Let's say it that way. <laughs> okay. And, and so he, um, you know, he's one of the biggest names at the time in, in the late 50s. Do you know what country music superstar was Buddy Holly's bass player that did not get on that plane that killed him. Country music bass player. So was he a bass player or did he turn to he turned he turned into something else. Willie Nelson? It's a good guess, but no. What time what is it? Sixty? It's fifty nine. Fifty nine. Is he still alive? Maybe fifty eight. Uh, he, he's not he's not still alive. Johnny? It's not Johnny. Also a good guess though. I have no idea. Waylon Jennings. Oh. No way. Yeah, Waylon Jennings was the bass player for for Buddy uh Billy Buddy Holly and the the Crickets was their band. And what happened was so back then their their buses were awful. They would stall, they were cold. Guys would get frostbite on these buses when they'd do tours through the Northwest in the winter. And so this was in January that that they kicked off this tour and the uh, just, just right going right into the tour, the drummer literally got frostbite, <laughs> and they their because their bus stalled. They they went through five buses in eleven days, and Buddy Holly got sick of it, and he's like, "I'm flying to the next show. I got to do some laundry. Like literally, these are the reasons." He's like, "I'm just I'm tired of being on that cold bus." He charters a plane, so his band was supposed to be on the plane, but um, one of the guys that they were traveling with, who would have been a superstar for sure if he hadn't died. Um, was the big bopper and he wrote Chantilly Lace that Jerry Lee Lewis later covered and he wrote oh god a couple others I can't think of right now but three tracks you guys would definitely know mm -hmm. and he got the flu and so he traded out with one of the other band members um, and then um, well he traded out with Waylon and then there was another kid Richie Valens who was at 17 years old and his music career was obviously just getting started and he wanted to be on the plane, and a guy said, I'll, I'll flip you for it. And so Richie Valens won the coin flip, and so Buddy Holly lost two of his bandmates. He's like, I chartered this plane for us, and you guys aren't even going with me. I hope your old uh, bus stalls out and told that to Waylon Jennings. And Waylon Jennings said, well, I hope your plane crashes. Oh, and, no. nine, and 90 minutes later, uh, Buddy Holly and the whole, uh, all five people on board were dead. 
Dang. So Waylon Jennings goes Dang, on to Waylon. to be the biggest thing in outlaw country ever, right? I mean, he, I, it's it's like mm-hmm. I get chills thinking about how different country music would have been. Is that when he became the outlaw, or is that the point that he just it, like he, I'm going? He tr- so they actually he tried to finish the tour with him and the other bandmate, and the obviously the venues are like we paid for buddy holly and we don't even know your name and he was getting like a third of what or even less of what they had booked so they killed the tour and waylon's he had to have started on his solo journey at that point but i mean he was you know beyond being buddy holly's basis basis like he was a nobody you know but literally uh if the big bopper hadn't gotten the flu then we would have had no waylon jennings which means we would have had no like country music would have been insanely different different Mm -hmm. insanely different so it's crazy to think about that's good trivia yeah i like that one me too yeah that one wasn't planned that was a little spur of the moment (laughs) i didn't have notes on that one so all right thank you all to listening to us for rambling uh around on this episode of uncensored thank you to gunbroker.com for sponsoring the show make sure you check out gunbroker for all your turkey needs and uh we had jacob erica dan and brad on this one so make sure you log time uh we have any gunbroker rewards coming up i believe we we do right Got to be something. Koozies all gone? Uh, no, we're still s- sending out those uh, camo koozies. Um, there should be another one, though. I guess you're still probably working yeah. on it, getting caught up from mm-hmm. shot. Yeah. Well, we still have some. I know hunting season's over, but those orange hats and vests, what are we selling them for now? Like six Deal. bucks, seven bucks? Yeah. For an embroidered Yeah, we got those kind of late. Vest. We got yeah. them a little bit late, so the they weren't as um, didn't move as fast as some of the other stuff. So. No, we don't want to, and we don't want to sit on them until next hunting season. But if you got room in your gun room for, they're nice too. They're real nice. Yeah, yeah. I All think right, I've got three myself. It's a good Easter gift. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Is it? Or Valentine's? Or Valentine's? Yeah, this won't launch in time for that, but. No. Uh, <laughs> All right, well, thank you all for listening. Go to Go Wild and log your show and give us a tag. Let us know what you think of our ramblings. Thank you. Mm